0: Wrote this song while crew and Aaron on a hundred mile foot race through the trails in the rain and mud. How about that? Rain is coming, can't give a fit Rain is coming, rain is coming, can't give a fit
1: I'd like to welcome back Jake Edmondson. He's our uh, registered dietitian. He was on episode eight with me, um, in which we talked about general, uh, nutrition for, for, uh, runners and athletes. Um, so, um, I wanted to invite Jake back on. We're going to talk today about intermittent fasting and fat adaptation, a little bit about ketogenic. Um, he's, a you know, my, uh, my source to go to for my athletes, <laughs> So um, I, I wanted to have Jake on again because um, a lot of times on podcasts we hear from athletes that uh, um, that are ketogenic or or fat adapted, uh, but we don't technically hear from the experts that have had education. So um, Jake, would you reintroduce yourself to the listeners for me, please? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes.
2: Thanks for having me, Aaron. Uh, yeah, I'm like you said. I'm Jake Edmiston. I'm a registered dietitian. I live out here in New Mexico. I've been practicing for some time yet and I uh work a lot still with development disabled and long-term care and then um work with you know some of your athletes and I got you know some gym athletes so I try to got a well pretty well rounded in my (laughs) verse of nutrition so I I like to stay on top of all the different trends and what's going on in the world so
1: I I certainly appreciate that because when I ask Jake questions he goes and looks for the uh Uh, the research that's already been done and tries to find scientific backing as to, you know, the questions that, that I posed to him. So um, thanks for taking the time today, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We're going to, we'll start with uh, intermittent fasting. Um, Let's start just with a basic definition of of intermittent fasting, if you would.
2: Okay. I mean, so the basic definition um, is just, you know, intermittent fasting would be going for a period of time at a, um, excessive calorie deficit. Um, there's a, you know, different, you know, different periodizations you can do, but, you know, most of the time when they're really talking about intermittent fasting, you're talking about, you know, either a day or multiple days at um, very little calories that, you know, wouldn't really be sustainable for the long run. And then you would have, you know, the intermittent would be followed by, um, normal, um, calories, um, to meet your metabolic rate or just slightly above to kind of, refuel almost. And so that period of um, fasting would be the obviously intermittent. So it's fasting, then refueling, fasting, refueling, and, you know, going about that uh, as periodization. And then, you know, you have your, you know, different, you know, now it's kind of broken down where it's like um, five days of regular eating then two days of fasting. Um, You know, that person can pick their two days or they do like a alternate day where one day you eat, normal diet, you know, next day you're fasted, say like 500 calories a day. And then so it's normal calories, 500 calories, you know, just on and on and on. And, you know, now they've even have, you know, now they've broken it down to the daytime fastings where you're going where you're just eating in a certain window. So say you, you know, you want to eat breakfast. And so you eat at 8am, but then you stop at like 4pm. So you have a, a eight hour window and you're going 16 hours, you know, without food. So, and, you know, people can kind of play around with, um, you know, different people will have like, Oh, I'm going to eat from 10 to 8 PM, you know, or noon to 8 PM and kind of do it that way. And some people do 12 hours on 12 hours off. It's just, you know, now there's all kinds of different, you can look in, you know, different diet
1: trend books and see, you know, examples of all kinds of different diets. Right on. Um, we've got, like you said, all sorts of, of intervals of, uh, intermittent fasting, but, um, you know, for, for athletes that are training, we're basically, um, we're talking about squeezing in our caloric intake for a day. So, um, can you touch on that for a second? What would be ideally, um, the caloric intake? Um, let's just start with the basic caloric intake. If we weren't running, how many calories should we be getting per day?
2: I mean, you know, if you look at the RDAs, you know, they're usually around, um, like 1500 for women, 2000 for men, or, you know, younger men, 2,500, younger women, maybe 2,000, somewhere in that range. So you usually have anywhere from 1,500 to 2,500 So, for most people, it's going to be your range for calories for a day. Um, and so when you're doing fasting, you're looking usually um, around 500 calories or less for like if you're doing a completed fasting day. So you're really at a, you know, a very low calorie intake. Um, so you might be just be snacking on a couple of things throughout the day. Um, and that's then that's yeah, on a fasted day. So, so yeah. So like your normal intake would be still like, you know, so let's just say the typical 2000 calorie day, like you're going to see on all like nutrition facts labels. So like, say if you're doing alternate, you know, alternate um, day fastings, you would um, say hit 500 calories one day, um, 2000 calories the next 500, 2000. And typically when, you know, realistically when you have the day, normal day you're probably more likely going to be eating like 2200 25. you're probably gonna eat a little bit more um than the uh than your regular amount but you're still going to be at a total calorie deficit at least in most most studies will show that like you know when especially alternate fasting you eat a little bit more just naturally you know because you're you know you went from a fasted state to you're trying to refuel yourself and kind of make up i mean obviously you don't make up for all the calories and that's kind of the benefit so you're at a total calorie deficit overall like when you start adding it up and so people will usually try to prefer that rather than trying to say you say your normal calorie intake is 2000 and you want to lose weight the normal recommendation is to go 500 calories less a day you know for a pound of weight loss a week and so you would eat 1500 calories for that week and so if you kind of average it out, if you're doing, you know, the alternating day comes out to about the same as like a continuous calorie restriction type of diet. That
1: was 1500 calories a day, right?
2: Yeah. So like if you're, if your if your needs were um, 2000, then you would eat like 1500 every day for that continuous calorie deficit. Where like as an alternate day, you're kind of Eating a normal diet and then you're just doing it, you know, kind of making up and um, doing like 500 calories So you're actually at 1500 less and it usually ends up balancing out because that next day when you refill You're probably gonna end up like 25. So you it's almost equal like in a lot of studies versus intermittent fasting versus uh, Just continuous calorie deficit. They, they show about the same amount of weight loss um, in both um, Adherence to some of the protocols are sometimes easier on the intermittent fasting diets. Um, Sometimes not. It's really, it kind of gets down to preferences of how people like to,
1: when they're trying to lose weight, what they prefer almost. Okay. Now let's throw exercise into there. Okay. So we were talking about, you know, uh, if for myself, a 42 year old male, we're talking about basically, uh, you know, the kind of the baseline is 2000 calories for me um now now i exercise right i go out and i run i go out and run an hour um i burn whatever you know probably 800 calories we'll say right um what do i have to make up that deficit as well should that be made up or how does that work within intermittent fasting well
2: so when you get down to athletes and intermittent fasting and if you're trying to um like for you like you know, if if you take a, an example of somebody trying to lose weight and trying to use exercise to help them lose weight, then it would, you know, um, you would still want say like that. Maybe that puts you up to twenty eight hundred calories, like you said. Maybe that added eight hundred calories for the day. Um, you know, on a typical person, then you would just you would still literally just go five hundred less. So then you would go like so. Your average intake would be twenty three hundred, um, and then you would really want to play around again with like the macronutrients. Um, and that would be where, you know, working with somebody would help because, you know, increasing your protein intake, maybe not eating a moderate amount of fat, um, making sure you're having sufficient carbohydrates to, you know, hold on to muscle synthesis and, you know, keep your fat free mass. Um, those types of things would be, need to be looked at. Um, but that would be how a continuous calorie restriction works out when, if you were still doing the intermittent fasting and trying to put exercise into it. Um, you know, it would still be basically you would eat like your twenty-eight to three thousand calories for your on day, and then you would still try only be eating like your five hundred calories for your off day. Um, you know, we can kind of get into it, but you know, these these complete days of fasting, you know, you know, there's not too many studies, especially on endurance athletes, as far as like, you know, the two days, like say five days on, two days off, or alternate days. Most of the studies are done um, looking just at weight loss, you know, and, and overweight and obese people. And so when you're really talking about training and if like, you know, your, your athletes or you yourself, if you're going every day, um, it's going to be hard to perform when like on, you know, the day after you're eating only 500 calories, you're not refueling enough for that next day. And so you'll probably feel more fatigued, your legs, you know, you didn't recover as well. Um, I mean, is it doable? I mean, if you were working with somebody, maybe those are like your light days. Um, Like maybe you just do shake out, you know, two, three miles or, you know, yoga days just for stretching. And you could kind of work around like that. But um, I mean, we can get into it, I guess in a little bit. But I I usually wouldn't recommend all day fastings for for athletes just because of that. We're trying to, you know, train and perform and increase our muscles and um, our endurance capabilities While you know, and you know, maybe some people losing weight or maintaining
1: weight, depending on um, what your goals are. Right. So that that's where we would talk more about doing like the uh, maybe sixteen hours fasted, eight hours of uh, of consumption, if you will. Is that yeah for for the athlete would be more realistic.
2: Yeah, I, I I would go with something like that, and then I would you know I would take that window. You know, so say if you like to work out in your mornings, like say if you're a morning athlete and you get up and you're working out at, um, you know, 5 a.m., you know, I would typically have you then do your eight-hour window after you get done with your run. So that would be like your, you know, maybe 7 to, you know, 3 p.m., you know, 7 a.m. in the morning to 3, depending on how long your workout is. That way you're kind of maximizing your recovery after your workouts. Um, If you were more of a late-night person, then maybe you're doing like the, you know, noon to 8 PM. And, you know, taking in the calories there, that way you're kind of surrounding your calories around your workouts to kind of optimize, you know, your carbohydrate intake and your protein intake at that same time.
1: Let's go back for a second and just touch on uh, caloric burn. Um, so now when somebody goes out and exercises, let's say, you know, let's just take running cause we all know running. Um, if I go out and run, I am going to burn typically a consistent amount of calories per mile. Is that correct? Not per hour? Is that it's.
2: Yeah. I mean, most of them are done, um, per, per mile. I mean, the rule of thumb is usually like, you know, 90 to a hundred calories, um, per mile. Now, you know, if you're, you know, typical mile is eight minute mile and all of a sudden you're doing tempo runs and you're running, you know, five thirty six minute miles you know, you're going to be burning more calories at those high intensity uh, miles versus like, say, if you're just going out for like your easy, you know, you know, recovery run, and you're doing like 10 minute miles, you're not going to be burning uh, as many calories, and also as well trained as you are. So somebody, you know, like your runners, or you who's been training, you know, they've been running for 20 plus years, you've become more efficient at it. Um, So you're not going to burn as many calories per mile as say, somebody getting off the couch and running one mile, they're going to be you know, burning because they're not as efficient as you know you you are at you know running that one mile.
1: Right. Okay. Uh, and for the record, I, I'm not an intermittent faster. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to put that out there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so thus far, we've talked about the you know one of the big benefits that people seek out of using intermittent fasting is weight loss. Um, and now, is there is there any other you know benefits that uh, that, that you can say? people can gain by intermittent fasting
2: uh, i mean i think you know the biggest benefit is going to be your weight loss and more control and you know with weight loss anytime you need to lose weight and they're able to lose weight i mean you know there's plenty of studies that show losing weights helps with blood pressure helps with cholesterol levels helps with blood sugar control um so i mean all those are going to be also benefits once you start losing weight um so, I mean, you know, it's, you know, intermittent fasting can be a tool, just like anything, you know, it's, it's still going to be, it's usually going to help you be at a calorie deficit, because you're shortening your window of intake. Um, and it going to give you rules around how you should be eating. Um, so it's, 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 a, it's a tool that you can use to help you lose weight. Uh, and so that's, that's really where the benefit comes, you know, some people find it easier to follow, some people find it harder to follow. You know, it's really kind of your personality type. You know, I, for me, I personally like rules. You know, I like I make all kinds of rules on how I eat, how I, you know, invest my money. You know, (laughs) you know, I just I follow certain things just in general. Like, you know, I'm that type of person where you know that it helps me to you know kind of set guidelines for my own self. Just you know, throughout. But other people don't like it. You know, other people want to, you know, kind of know what to eat and not really worry about what timing and things like that. So it's kind of your personality and. Yeah, it's just going to be something you can use to help you, you know, be at that calorie deficit. And, you know, it's, um, we can get – I don't know if you want to talk about the training aspect now or when it would be more appropriate to be at a calorie deficit. Yeah, go for it. Uh, so, you know, really when you're, when you're at these calorie deficits, you know, um, it's, it's, and you're trying to lose weight, it's probably beneficial to do it more in your base training phases. You know, when you're, you know, you're trying to build your um, intensities or your durations of your runs um, and your races aren't getting close because you can kind of afford to be a little bit more fatigued. And, um, you know, if you're if you're kind of fueling right, it won't it won't hurt as bad. Um, Your body is that you can set a little bit better adaptions. But as you get closer to your your goal races, you know, you really don't want to be going in under undernourished i mean you want to be making sure you're you're topped off and so you know there's a couple strategies you know you can do the you know kind of intermittent dieting which is like you're on a calorie restriction for you know two or three weeks and then you take like say your peak week of training you go into a regular um calorie or like they call it you calorie so your normal you know your calorie efficient um diet so you kind of go like calorie deficit and then like your peak week of training go to a calorie um a normal calorie diet and then you can kind of go back into your deficit and then back you know and kind of work it along with the training plan and then as you're getting close to to your goal race then it would just be trying to stay into a normal calorie um hitting your your needed calories um so you're you're maximizing your training and you're ready to go for your races
1: cool um Going back to the the benefits, uh, one thing that I hear um, some people that have have worked with intermittent fasting is they feel um, a level of clarity after the fast uh, or mental acuity. Uh, Is there anything behind that?
2: Yeah, there actually is. uh, It's hormone release. I'm I'm blanking on the hormone, but um, during fasted, you can actually... Um, your body will start to release a hormone that kind of gives you a sense of euphoria. Um, and I, you know, it's kind of a survival mechanism, you know, think about it like, you know, in the paleolithic time, if you're going without food and you're constantly starving and you're trying to search, you need energy to go keep looking for food. So it's kind of beneficial if you think about it to have a little bit of like optimism and euphoria when you're really hungry, because you want to keep, you know, searching, and so your body's adapted to when you're in a starvation mode to kind of, you know, give you that, you know, yeah, euphoria and you feel enlightenment or however we want to describe it. But that that is a thing. Um, so it, okay. I, I don't know if it's, you know, I don't know really. I mean, yeah. It doesn't last forever. <laughs> it's, it's not gonna, right. it's not, you're not going to keep being starving and it's, you're not just being a euphoric state forever. I mean, it will go away if you keep, if you keep persisting at it. But yeah, there is a, a certain time point where you're going to, uh, you know, have
1: that feeling. Cool. Right on. Um, so uh, let's just start with, um, well, let's talk about the, you know, potential negatives or downsides of, uh, of intermittent fasting. Um, what kind okay. of uh, go ahead? What kind of side effects or negatives uh, do you find with this? Well,
2: um, I mean, anytime that you have any type of chronic disease, especially say diabetes, um, you really want to talk with your doctor about for you know doing any type of intermittent fasting. I mean, if you think about just diabetes in general, if you're especially if you're on any like insulin medications or something that's helping you control your blood sugars, if you don't tell your doctor um, that you're going to do it and they don't try to like work with you to maybe stop your medication for that day or something you know those drugs are designed to lower your blood sugars and all of a sudden you're not eating you know they're going to lower your sugar that might be normal and then put you into a hypoglycemic state and you know which could be fatal so that's that's something you really don't want to do and I you know in the literature there really is no um, uh, set scenario for how you should administer medications on for diabetes. So. They really don't want you doing intermittent fasting if you have diabetes just because you are such at risk for like going um, hypoglycemic during those times. So that's, you know, so if you're type one, type two, you just really, it's probably not going to be for you. Maybe doing the, you know, daytime restricted, you could work it that way, but definitely the all day fastings are probably not something that you want to attempt. And if you are, then you really want to be making sure you're talking with your doctor and working with your medical providers. Um, and the same thing with any type of medications, you know, you know, medications are, you know, some are meant to be taken with food, some are not, but you know, they're most medications are assuming we're eating regular diet. So if you have any, if you are taking any medications, again, you want to talk with your doctor, you know, don't take this as medical advice, obviously, but you know, talking with them, you know, dip, you know, you know, that's why there's recommendations for medications that say this medication take with food, this medication don't take with food, you know, this medication don't have grapefruit. Because it changes the absorption rate um, for medications, um, so anytime you're taking those types of things, you want to make sure you're definitely working with your medical provider and um, letting them know that you're thinking about doing this. And you know, maybe they need to change your type of medications or something like that. So those can be negative side effects if you're not, you know, working with somebody. Um, just for like performance standpoint, if you are doing these you know all day fasted again like we kind of talked about earlier they can you know negatively Im- impact your performance for that day because you're going in fatigued and you're not um fueling well enough to you know hit their high notes on the workouts and you're just going to be lacking a little bit of energy so um and which could hurt your training because you're not going to be able to train as hard those days so you know that's that can be one of the negative um but those are like the main main things I would see that would be the negatives of intermittent fasting.
1: Cool. All right. So, uh, let's say that, you know, somebody is um, turned on to intermittent fasting and, um, they're, they're having success with, with losing weight. They get to, uh, to their, their goal weight. And now, um, they want to retain, obviously that goal weight. Would they stay on intermittent fasting or how do you feel about that?
2: Uh, like I said, I mean, if that's been working for you and you want to hit your now goal weight and you just want to increase your calories appropriately, um, you can still do it. You know what I mean? Like if that's, if that's worked for you and you feel good on it, um, you know, excuse me, I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with them going with it. You just want to make sure that you're now, you know, once you hit your goal weight that we're now kind of hitting your appropriate calories per day and we're not staying in a calorie deficit. So whether you're doing intermittent fasting or just eating a regular diet, either way we want to be doing, you know, we want to be hitting our required calories a day. And, you know, you know, with that, you want to be hitting your proteins and your, your carbs and your fats and, you know, appropriately. And so that's, you know, um, I guess that would be the other thing too, when you're thinking about it, when you are at a calorie deficit, um, You know, you you really want to prioritize protein first because there's enough studies that show that anytime you're doing a calorie deficit, you're going to lose not only fat, you're going to lose fat-free mass, so you're going to lose muscle. Um, So, to help not lose as much muscle, you want to increase your protein. So, like normal recommendations for you know um, calorie, you know, adequate calorie diets are you know say maybe 1.5 to 2.0 for like act you know really active people um whereas if you're at a calorie deficit say you're doing 500 calories less a day you're really looking to hit that protein at like 2.0 to 2.6 you know in that range and that's per kilogram so say i'm like uh i'm 170 pounds give or take um you know that's like 77 something like that um kilograms so like say i would be like just rounding off my head like 150 160 grams of protein a day and then you would try to space that out for a maximum utilization um, throughout the day and within your window if you're doing the intermittent fasting and then really you want to kind of limit your fat because fat has more calories but to also help with uh, muscle synthesis you want carbs because carbs are going to what you know help fuel your muscles but they're also you know carbs put you at an anabolic state so they help you know um help you grow and gain muscle whereas fats aren't going to give you those um, so anytime you're at a calorie deficit you kind of want high protein intake kind of like maybe like 0.5 grams per kilogram of body weight for fat and then you want to fill in the rest with your carbs and you want to make sure you're eating, you know obviously you want eating healthy carbs and you know fiber and you know if you're eating lots of uh, fruits vegetables you know whole grains you know you can eat a decent amount of those foods and still be kind of you know, the volume of food can still be there, but not be at that many calories. Cool. And that's how you would kind of want to macronutrient uh, during like a calorie
1: deficient uh, phase. Cool. All right. So uh, let's take a, a case where the person has lost weight, but they can't seem to – they plateau. And they mm-hmm. can't seem to go beyond that uh, and, and reach, you know, their – their goal weight, which let's define their goal weight as a healthy weight. You know, they're not trying to go too much, you know, they're not trying to go too far. They're trying to get down to a a healthy weight, but they're just stagnant and they can't seem to notch it down any further with intermittent fasting. Um, what do you suggest at that point?
2: Well, what's, what's probably going on is say you're at, you know, like we talked about, say you're at, um, you need 2000 calories, a day for your current weight and you want to lose weight. So you'd start doing 1500 calories a day Well as you're losing weight, you're gradually gonna your weight loss will be slower and slower because as you lose weight Your calorie needs per day are actually going down as well. So like say you're at you know 150 pounds or 200 pounds um, And you're you know, we're just throwing out numbers, but you know, but you're, you need 2,000 calories And so you're at 1500 when you hit like say 180 And maybe your goal weight was to get down to 170. Well, once you get to 180, maybe now your nutrient needs are um, around that 1500 mark. So, to technically keep losing weight, then you would have to decrease your calories another like, you know, 400 to 500 down to like 1100 a day. You know, is that so? Like, you're basically just because this was working to help you lose weight initially because you were at a calorie deficit, now you've lost the weight and you need less calories to maintain your current body weight. But you're eating the same amount so therefore you're maintaining the weight because you're eating the same amount that you to sustain your current weight um, So you need to drop your calories again um, To help you keep losing weight And so that's really why people plateau too because they don't realize they're like i'm eating the same amount You know i've been eating less than I was Um, you know initially. Well, I mean, you know, that's great. That's great You lost that 20 pounds, but to keep losing you're going to have to either increase your exercise to you know increase your metabolism and your energy output
1: or you're going to have to decrease your calories in again. And and how how do they figure that out? Is that something they would have to consult with a person such as yourself, the doctor, or is there something they can refer to, uh, you know, uh, an online Uh, resource?
2: There's, there's, you know, calorie calculators like the Mifflin St. George, Harris Benedict, Um, you know, the Mifflin St. George is probably the most popular one. Um, And you can, I think we talked about that in the last one. And you, you'll notice like, you know, the weight really changes the calorie needs the most. So like you put in your age, your height, um, and your, and your weight and it, and it spits you out what your resting metabolic rate would be, or basically, you know, basically at your, your rate for just to sustain life, <laughs> you know, that's, that's what you would, that's what you would need to e- eat. Um, and then you would put your activity factor in there so like for somebody that's really active maybe like 1.6 and you know somebody that's just you know doesn't move around the house maybe 1.1 to 1.2 you know real you know not very sedentary mostly um and so then th- so you times your you know that first number they give you times that activity factor and that gives you your calorie needs a day and then you know as your weight changes you would ha- just have to keep updating that so like you know you would you would see it like so you could even go around and play in there put in like okay, I want to be, you know, I'm 200 pounds. Now I could put in like, what is it that to get me down to 180 or what would I need? You know, what sustains me at 180 and things like that. Um, so that's, that's kind of, so you could just have to keep playing with those. I mean, you can definitely talk with a dietitian, but you can find those resources online if you're just looking to play around with
1: numbers. Would that also give you your ideal weight? So, you know, again, going back to what we were saying earlier about, you know, people sometimes trying to lose too much weight. is there a way to, to know what's one's ideal weight? Yeah, uh, well some of
2: they have equations for that too. Like you're for men, you know, the ideal weight equation is um, you know one oh six plus plus six pounds for every inch over five feet you are. So say I'm um, you know I'm I'm six foot, so twelve times six is seventy-two plus you know the one oh six is one seventy-eight. And then you kind of take a plus or minus minus ten percent. So one seven, so that'd be one sixty to one ninety six would be my for me for being six foot tall. Your ideal weight is one sixty to one ninety six. Um, you know that's that's a general equation that gives you like kind of a ballpark. You know, somebody who, who you know has a small bone you know structure who's six foot or a little on the slender build, maybe they're on the you know smaller side. On somebody with a bigger bone structure you know, broader shoulders, things like that. They might be on the, you know, heavier side. And then you can also look at your BMI, um, you know, so that takes your height and your weight in effect. If you're an athlete, you know, runners are usually going to be, you know, within that BMI because we're leaner, Um, you know, but maybe like a football player or a bodybuilder or, you know, a power lifter, you know, they could be healthy, but they're going to probably their BMIs are going to be probably put them in the overweight category, even though, Say you're like a professional football player, you could be, you know, four, four or five percent, you know, body fat. And, you know, the doctor would look at you just if you looked at just the BMI, they would tell you you're overweight, which, you know, anybody looking at him with their eyes would know that he's not overweight or she's not overweight, things like that. Um, so, I mean, you got to take some of those with a grain of salt about, you know, how much muscle you actually have. and uh, But you know, yeah, you can definitely find for somebody just looking for where they're around where they should be, you know, those ideal body weight equations and your BMI are, are good, you know, I mean, that's what, you know, for the general population are great. And like I said, for runners, you know, you know, those it's still, it works pretty well for runners too, because they're going to, you know, most runners are obviously going to be leaner.
1: Cool. Um, so, uh, you have, uh, as we kind of talked about you, your, your education and background, um, you look at the, the science behind IF, um, and do you feel it is a, uh, a healthy way to lose weight?
2: Uh, um, I don't really like the, I mean, honestly, I don't, I don't think the full days fasting would be the way to go. Like I, I really wouldn't try Uh, unless they just somebody really wanted to try it and they were their only goal was to lose weight and they weren't really active Um, you know, like I said, it could be a tool and it might help them, you know, I personally if i'm going to do it Um, I I don't mind the you know, the you know The time restricted one during the day because you you're still eating through the day. You can still space your meals Um, you can work it around your you know, your workout timing um, and you can also um You know, the other thing to think about is your own circadian rhythm. You know, there are, there are, you know, studies now that show that, you know, in the morning where you're more, you know, your body's getting ready to go, um, you know, you actually use more of like the carbs to store as muscle. Whereas, you know, later at night you actually store more fat, you know, which kind of makes sense. You're going to bed, you you know, your body's ready not to be active. So they're going to store it more as fat. Whereas, you know, in the morning you are getting ready. So you, you store more, um, You know, glycogen in the muscles, you know, those types of things. So maybe even like working with, you know, your own circadian rhythm about how you feel to kind of, you know, to time it around that. You know, I mean, that would take a little bit more like when do you usually go to bed? What time do you usually wake up? How do you feel in the morning? Are you you using alarm clocks and things like that to kind of time it? But yeah, I mean, I I don't mind the intermittent fasting because it's really just about calorie control. I mean, it's really, it, it really is just a tool to help people. You know, not overeat is really the main the main goal of it. So if it's going to help you and you're you're doing it appropriately and still eating, you know, a high quality diet with you know vegetables, adequate you know protein, um, you know healthy fats, things like that, then it it's definitely usable and it and it and it can be used for people's gains. Re- healthy- for-
1: Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, is there a healthier alternative to intermittent fasting? I mean, it, the, the alternative really is
2: just eating, you know, following a healthy diet in general. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, really, the intermittent fasting is strictly to help with, you know, I mean, they've tried to look at, you know, there is maybe a little bit better diet adherence, like to, um, you know, for some people on the intermittent fasting, like I said, as far as like just helping you control, you know, your calories in, um, you know, there hasn't really been much, study to show that it was like, you know, it hasn't really shown to be helpful in, you know, holding on to fat free mass or anything like that um, or, um, you know, you know, or keeping up your metabolism up. You know, that was one of the things that people thought it might do if you're fasting and then reintroducing food, your metabolism would remain higher. And then you might have a, an initial spike, um, you know, of increasing metabolism or your hormones um, going back up, but that they're not they're not long. So it's, um, anytime, cause anytime you're at a calorie deficit, you're going to, you know, go into a little bit of hormonal changes and, um, you know, your metabolism will
1: start to slow. So, yeah. So a tool, it's a, it's a tool. <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, so, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit more about the hormonal changes. Cause, um, we had, uh, discussed earlier before we started recording, um, Jason Coop on his podcast Coopcast um uh, had talked um with um two uh, two female dietitians about um intermittent fasting and they had both um cautioned women against it um but you you looked through some research and what did you find
2: Well so I know you sent me that so I tried to you know I went on a couple different uh you know databases to look through studies and um you know, maybe I was looking into the wrong search criteria, but I couldn't really find anything specifically with outcomes for women and hormonal balances, um, in specific to intermittent fasting. I mean, I do know that just being at a calorie deficit and if you're at an extreme calorie deficit, um, for men and women, but particularly women with menstrual cycles, I mean, your hormone balances are going to be changed. Um, so if you're, you know, it, it used to be called the the female athlete triad was when, you know, low body mass, low bone density, you know, menorrhea. Um, now they've changed it to REDS, which is reduced energy deficit syndrome, which is because men and women can both have, you know, be at reduced energy deficits. Um, and this, yeah, this can play havoc on all types of, you know, your hormones and your body regulations, you know, temperature control. Meta- I mean, so. Yeah, I mean, anytime you're going at a severe calorie um, restriction, um, it's something to be cautious of. And yeah, women, I could, I could definitely see where they would be coming from. Like I said, I, you know, I, I mean, I'd, I wouldn't doubt it if they found the studies and they have them. Or, but I just, I personally didn't find any specific relating to intermittent fasting. But um, just knowing what I know about, you know, extreme calorie deficits and 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 women in general, which can Cause hormone imbalances, I could I could definitely see it not being beneficial
1: if you it was taken too too extreme. Cool, um, transitioning a little bit, um, you know, if we talk about intermittent fasting, sometimes the conversation diverts into talking about a fat adapted diet. Um, how did the two correlate, if at all?
2: Um,
1: I don't know if they
2: correlate so much um you know i know we were going to talk about like fasted versus like ketogenic. Yeah. um you know if you're intermittent fasting you might be doing more fasted runs and therefore you could have a you know um maybe a um you know you become maybe a little bit better fat adapted during those runs um but th- i wouldn't really say they're interchangeable because it's not like you're on the intermittent fasting you necessarily have to be following a specific type of diet. Um, and, you know, I know, you know, a lot of people think, you know, intermittent fasting and keto go together, but they're, they're really, I mean, again, the intermittent fasting is just about your timing of meals. It doesn't ne- necessarily specify what you're eating. Um, whereas like a, a fat adapted, um, and as you know, fat adapted is being better at utilizing your fat for energy, um, which is actually different from just a ketogenic diet. You know, a ketogenic diet will be, you know, will help you get fat adat- adapted, but doesn't necessarily. But being you know better fat adapted doesn't mean necessarily mean you're on a ketogenic diet. <laughs> so I guess that's like one of those word plays, you know. Um, yeah, but okay. Can um, you find
1: differences. Is there can you is there distinct differences so, between the two?
2: Well, yeah. So fat adaption is literally how your body utilizes utilizes fat. Um, you know, during the day. So like when you break down your fat to use it as energy, there's a process um, it has to go through. So the more fat adapted you are, the more efficient it is, is using that fat to turn into, you know, poor energy. Um, you know, when you're in a ketogenic diet, your that's the goal is to be used burning fat as your primary energy source. Whereas usually you're just going to be in a um, carb slash fat burning state. Um, so as you become more fat adapted, you're going to be, you're burning more calories at a um, higher percentage, you know, like you're. Energy use is going to be higher from fat than carbohydrates, you know, and that's and that's kind of where like you know the you know ultra runners think that it's going to be good form to be more fat adapted, which in an instance it will for your because especially in ultras where you're going for a long time to be able to utilize your fat more efficiently, um, in theory is going to be help you perform better because you're at such a low aerobic um, threshold, and you know that's the other thing. I mean, like you know, you hear about like, aerobic, anaerobic. And you know, it's like everybody knows anaerobic, you're using all carbs, and people think aerobic, you're using fat. Well, I mean, at any one point, you know, your your total anaerobic state, I think can only last for like, eight to 10 seconds, like at all out max. Um, So pretty much any time below that, you're going to be using some type of combination of fat and carbohydrates. Um, So you're always you're always kind of burning a little bit of both. So like I said, the more fat adapted you get, the majority you know the bigger the fat utilization is going to be over the carb you know the uh the percentage wise
1: right right so yeah we start in the lactic lactic (laughs) system (laughs) that's uh that's burning um uh glycogen um and then we kind of switch over and and go aerobic if we're you know just going out for a run so those first you know uh eight to 10 seconds, we start burning and then the heart rate kind of jacks up. And then once the heart rate kind of uh, stabilizes, then we, we start going into um, more of an aerobic system. And that's where we start choosing um, which, which we're going to burn. Are we going to burn carb? Are we going to burn fat? And that's where we start talking about like fat adaptation. Right. And, um, right. So, um, now, I mean, is that, is that the reality that, you know, if we, uh, we go into that, um, aerobic zone and we were, we're training ourselves, um, touch on that for a second. How do we train ourselves to, um, to use the fat burning rather than the glycogen burning or the, you know? So this is,
2: so this is where a lot of the, um, more literature now is coming out about training low you'll hear. And this is just training on a lower energy. Um, and there is, you know, they have shown that like, The more you like say you go out in your morning at your 5 a.m. And you don't eat anything before you're you're since you've already been fasted your body's going now you're basically practicing um, fat adaption and you know better fat utilization at those times because anytime you're going to take in carbohydrates say you take in carbs right before a run and then go out the door and run you're going to use that exogenous source you know that first you know that that you've been taken first so you're not really going to, you know, get the benefit of like a fat ad- adaption. So, you know, and there, you know, like I said, there has been some, you know, studies now to show that like fasted runs or like even like double say you like you do, um, like I know Lewis Burke, you know, she's got all kinds of research on ketogenic diets and fat adaption. And even one of her recommendations in a recent paper I read was to, you know, do a double um, and then. Basically, you know, maybe do like your sprint workout with a carb source. Like say you're doing like your hard tempo and then don't really refuel all the way. And then later that day, go out like on a, just an easy training run. And that way you have kind of going out on another depleted run and that will help like increase your fat utilization. Um, and there was even, I, I, I should have looked the guy's name up, but Sean Bearden on science of ultra just had a podcast with a gentleman who was looking at mitochondria, um effects on low, low running, and how that um low energy runs actually improve help improve mitochondria function, um which those are like your you know powerhouse that help produce ATP and um yeah, so there it. is more science coming out to show that there are benefits of you know doing like fasted running to become a little bit better fatted up, dead, or in that case, which i I need to go read the paper because I was kind of I was pretty intrigued by it, but you know, how the mitochondria are being um, the functionality of them are improving on these types of runs. Um, and that's, and that's really, you know, you don't necessarily be in a ketogenic diet, like already in a fat, you just need to kind of be in a fasted state or at a low calorie deficit. Cause like I said, anytime you're, if you fuel right before your run and you're trying to do these types of runs, you're, you're kind of missing the point because you're going to be using those carbohydrates right away. Um, and so like in, you know, just to, kind of put it into perspective you know these these are really are going to be what you want for your base building again like you know these would be like you know when you're kind of farther out from your a race and you really want to start you know adapting a little bit better and um you know you would go out say you're not eating as um frequently or you're going maybe even go a little longer you know i think last time i said anything over an hour and a half you really want to be you know fueling. Um, You know, if you're in your base phase and you really want to try to get that fat adaption, you could probably go up to two hours if you want um, without eating anything. And just to, you know, you practice that fat adaption. But anytime you start getting closer to your race, you want to A, make sure you're fueling appropriately um, and to so you're recovering well so you can keep hitting it hard and feeling refreshed. And also B, you know, you want to be training your gut. So, because on your race, you're not going to go two hours at a time without eating. Um, and your gut's just like a muscle, so you know you want to make sure you're training that. So, as you're getting closer, you know it's it it's more beneficial for your performance to be training the gut and practicing your fueling strategies rather than trying to be fat adapted. that That's, that makes sense?
1: It does. okay. let's uh, let's talk about two sides of the spectrum. <laughs> uh, we just had a, a pretty amazing, I don't know if you saw um, Michael McKnight went out and ran hundred miles solely on water. Um, you know, no calories, no nothing, just pure water. Now he's been, you know, doing uh, fat adaptation, uh, in his training and, and such. So he's been practicing, you know, his, his consumption is, is dialed in so that he is going to be using fat as, as his fuel, uh, you know, according to him. Um, now, you know, is that, is that okay for the body? I mean, I know hundred miles is not okay for the body in general, but um, let's, you know, just for, for those that saw it and were intrigued, is that something that, you know, a, a person, you know, such as yourself would say, you know, that's, that's probably, you know, there's 1% that can probably do that and should do that. Or, you know, is it a larger number that perhaps, you know, could do that? Um, and then, Let's also, well, go ahead with that and I'll, I'll ask you another question.
2: Yeah. I mean, one person obviously doing something doesn't make, um, you know, a, a valid way to do something. Um, you know, did he, I'm sure, did he train? I mean, I don't know what he, you know, his, I'm sure he kept a very low aerobic threshold for his, you know, maybe it seemed fast for people. I don't know what he ran it in, but I know, like, say, like Zach Bitter and his, you know, and his like 24 hour, you know, efforts and being fat adapted, you know, they seem fast, but for him, you know, that can run like a four minute mile, you know, running a seven minute mile is at aerobic threshold. Um, so
1: it's like, he's also taking in carbs.
2: He's, yeah, he takes, Zach Bitter takes in and more carbs and which, you know, more, most people realize this guy. Yeah. You know, it's, I, I can't really say scientifically what that would do to your body. Um, I wouldn't imagine it's great. Just like you said, running a hundred miles in general, isn't going to be all that great for your body. Um, not to mean fasted like that. Uh, I mean, think about it. I mean, how many, how could you even design a study like that? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> how are you yeah. going to get enough people to run a hundred miles without eating anything to yeah, like even study it? <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, it's a, that that's definitely the case of study of one right there. Um, yeah. of one. So right? Yeah, what is what is? I mean, I I couldn't even. I mean, I'm I'm sure his body was all, you know. Just even, I'd even be curious about like, you know, his his sodium, his electrolyte levels. You know, his his glycogen depletion. I mean, I don't know. There's all kinds of things. Oh, yeah, um,
1: I just you know, wanted to alert up- people that you know there are other things that can be going on that we're not aware of. Like it's not. Right. You know, even if you train for fat adaptation, that's probably not the best thing to do to your body. Like, no, these pet- things. And I just want to start swinging that pendulum back. And let's go into the topic of of Zach Bitter and uh, and Jeff Browning because um, we just touched on it. You know, those guys. If you listen to them and they talk about their, you know, yes, they are practicing fat adaptation, um, but they're also using carbs as a source in their um, in their ultra marathons in their races because they need those as well. You know, they, they are still burning glycogen um, throughout this. It may not be the, the numbers that some of us that aren't as fat adapted burn, but they are still burning some, so they still do need that source, and it's a quick energy source as well. Um, so, you know, can you kind of touch on that balance as well, uh, that, you know, yes, you may be fat adaptat- you know, at, have that fat adaptation, but, you know, due, due to the course of, of any athletic endeavor, whether it be ultramarathon or, you know, sub-ultra, you're still going to need some other sources.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, if you think about it, whenever you're in a a race, you know, fat utilization, say from exogenous source, by the time you ingest it, um, it takes usually about two to three hours to start being able to process it and use it as energy. Whereas carbohydrates, it's, you know, within 10, 15 minutes, you can start using that as, you know, your your energy source once you ingest it. Um, The, so, and then, you know, fat also just for gut, you know, fat takes longer to empty from your, your stomach. Um, so just from like, you know, how your gut feels like taking in more fat during a race might not be the best thing. Um, and you know, they do show like studies that if you are more fat adapted and used to eating more fat, you'll start, um, you know, the pro- you, you process it faster. Basically you, you, tr- you know, you've, you've been eating that way. Your body's got accustomed to it so you can you know process it a little faster. Um, but you're right. Like even Zach Bitter's taken in, you know, I, I don't know, a uh, as much about Browning, but I remember listening to an interview with Zach Bitter. This was probably like four or five years ago, after he just set the uh, you know 24-hour record for like the first time. He was on uh, a podcast called Endurance Planet, and um, he said he took in like he averages you know on his tra- you know harder training days about 150 grams of carbohydrate a day. And anybody who's on a keto diet would re- think hear that and be like, well, that's a lot of carbs because. You know, that's, that's not what somebody would typically think, but he's doing that because he's trying to do it for performance. You know, there's a difference between performance and just doing something. You know, the, like you said, that one guy, was his name Knight? Michael McKnight. Um, Michael McKnight. So he did it. Was that his optimum performance, though? Like, we, we would never know, but I would guess that he could probably run faster and perform better if he was taking in fuel sources. So it's kind of one of those things. Like, are you, are was he doing it just to prove a point? Like, I, you know, this is what the body is capable of, which is cool. I mean, it's kind of always cool to see what a person in the body is capable of. And that's why we kind of like to run hundred miles and, you know, push our limits to see what we can do with it. But if we're looking at the the aspect of performance, you know, then. Why did, why, why are we doing it? You know, why is, you know, is this going to help me reach my ultimate goal of running fastest or, you know, hitting, hitting my fastest marathon time or ultra marathon time? You know,
1: um,
2: am I out here just to go ahead?
1: As Jeff Browning is very open, you know, he, uh, he, he's a goo athlete, you know, which obviously is a, is a glucose based product. So he, but he goes to the goo energy labs and has the testing done to say, okay, I am burning this much fat, but I also need to burn this much glycogen. So how do I, um, you know, fuel my body so that I get the optimal performance. And that's how he's performing on such a high level is, you know, he's using, um, his, his complete system, if you will, uh, you know, he's, he's burning fat yet. He's also burning glycogen and using the two systems together to make the most efficient, uh, you know, uh, performance and, uh, as he can. So, um, I, I love listening to, to him talk about the, the combination of the two, because primarily his diet is, you know, uh, you know, fat at fat adapted. Uh, but you know, he talks about, uh, when he uses carbohydrates within his diet, uh, to help him on the days, kind of like we were talking about earlier, you know, he knows he has a longer run, so he's going to need a little bit more carbohydrates in that run. So he may have like a sweet potato or something like that to help fuel that run. So you know, even these high-performing athletes that we we kind of visualize as total fat-adapted athletes, they're using um, you know carbohydrates effectively and efficiently because they want to make sure that they have their optimal performance. And and I agree with you. I don't think Michael McKnight was trying to have the optimal performance. I think he was trying to show us the the potential of human ability to run in uh, in a fat-adapted state solely on water, which. You know, It's an amazing accomplishment of itself. Now I agree with you that, you know, optimally he probably could run a lot faster <laughs> had uh-huh. he had any calories. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, the, the point is like, you know, I just want people to to understand that, uh, you know, you don't have to be, um, strictly in a ketogenic, ketogenic state in order to, to perform. Um, you know, these guys that are toting these, uh, fat adapted and ketogenic diets, are also using carbohydrates in a way that that benefits them um so I, like you know i think we get caught up in you know oh i'm solely fat adapted it's kind of like you have this like stamp on you like
0: i am fat <laughs> adapted and ketogenic <laughs>
1: You know, yeah. Uh, so, have you have uh, you seen Twitter? That's, that's exactly. How <laughs> I tried to stay from uh, But uh, um, yeah, so and exactly right. You know, like we kind of put it out there, and it's just like this, you know, badge of honor. But like, you know, honestly, if you want to have a, a higher level of performance, let's even go further on the pendulum and get to sub ultra, and let's talk about marathon, five k to marathon. You know, like. Um, if, if those people were solely on, a, a, a ketogenic or a fat adapted diet, let's talk about performance there. How would that affect, you know, the, the, now we're going into an anaerobic state, um, you know, in the 5k, potentially up to the marathon, depending on how fast you're running, where your body wants to go into that glycolytic, uh, burning state. So can you talk about that for a moment? Yeah. So,
2: um, Anytime you're going to be doing the more high intensity, like we talked about, the higher your intensity, the more um, glyco- glycogen your body wants to burn. Um, so, you know, if you're constantly fat adapted, you're not training that high you're in for carb utilization and glycogen. Um, so there have actually been studies that have even shown that um, that the more fat adapted you are, the the worst you are at burning, um, carbohydrates at, at like the higher end. So your carbohydrate utilization has, you know, worsened. Um, which, you know, might not be bad for, like you said, the ultra, but when you're talking about like a 5k or marathon or, you know, sprinting up a hill, all of a sudden you can't, you know, um, switch, over. switch over as well as efficiently. Right. Correct. Um, so, you know, for those types of athletes, any in really, Ultra, I would say, is probably like one of the only, you know, sports I could think of where fat adaption really is kind of like, well, I could see where that would, you know, increase performance. Like you look at something like basketball or, you know, even baseball where, you know, like basketball, you're constantly sprinting, jumping, and you constantly need those quick carbs because you're always doing, you just flat out sprints. Or baseball, you know, you hit a base and you're just sprinting to first. Well, if you're constantly in like a fat adapt state, you're not going to have that higher end speed that you need for the sprint to the first, you know, first base or, you know, to round out your triple or something like that. Um, you know, so any type of sport that you're going to need quick, short burst of energy, you know, fat adaption is not going to be what you're looking for. You want to be looking for your, you know, your peak performance at your high end. Um, and you know, you know, carbohydrate diets are going to need that. And just like you said, like for the, You know, I I think it really is important to reiterate for like the, you know, even the people that are doing fat adapted, they're still taking in carbohydrates because they know if they want to perform and, you know, perform well, they're going to need those carbohydrates. Um, You know, so something like the, you know, and like the say you're doing a fast 5k, it's not like you need, uh, you know, you to take in carbohydrates during a 5k because it's so quick, but you want to be training um, where you're using carbohydrates. So when you're training and you're doing like your, you know, your two minute sprints to practice your high end or, you know, your tempos or intervals, you know, you're not going to be able to go as hard and, you know, utilize, you know, anytime you train at that top end, you're, you, you know, you're practicing carbohydrate, you know, carbohydrate utilization, um, where, you know, if you're fat adapted, you're never going to, you're never going to be efficiently cause you, you don't have the carbs to, Hit those higher points to train that way and then if you're not really taking them in anyways you know you're not going to have enough to you know um you know utilize it as efficiently you're good your body wants to stay in that kind of fat so you're you know you just don't have the ability to trans
1: like you said um transfer over as well sure um so i mean you know it it uh when i've think about, you know, going back what we were just going over, I, I, I in no means mean to, to bash, um, you know, people that are, are trying to be fat adapted or, or go ketogenic. Um, solely, I just want to make sure that people understand that we still need to utilize, um, carbohydrates and, and use them to optimize performance. And it may take a little bit more research and understanding as to how you can use those and when to plug those in. Um, so, I mean, you know, I think um, having people get a little bit more education, uh, so far as you know, how do you do that properly to optimize your performance if that's the goal? You know, they may have other goals in doing. Just as you know, I have other goals in in my diet just because of health reasons. You know, so I, I don't mean to take away from that because I'm sure there's plenty of other benefits that people can gain. From you know doing various types like of the intermittent fasting, we talked about that and how they can lose weight. Um, you know, going fat adapted, and um, you know that that they may even see a, a, a loss of weight. You know, at the beginning as well. Is that is that correct? Because now you're diminishing carbohydrates. It, it, would you see? Would you see a drop? For the, off in- for the you, ketogenic go, diet, I'm sorry. If you go ketogenic, um, yeah, ketogenic diet, would you see a diminish in? Um, or a potential diminishing in body weight?
2: Yeah. I mean, so ketogenic diets are effective at um, helping you lose weight. The issue you get into is um, if you look at a lot of studies, though, you also lose um, usually more fat-free mass, so muscle, on a ketogenic diet as well. Um, So when you're losing weight, you kind of typically lose weight faster in the beginning. um, Like, year-long studies or anything that's usually about six months or longer um, you usually see about the same amount of weight loss in a ketogenic diet um, versus any calorie deficit diet the problem is though like I talked about like how carbs are helped with the anabolic response you know if you're eating more fat and just protein you're not getting the carbs for the anabolic response to help hold on to some of that you know and build those muscles that's why like if you're an athlete it's still important to even if you're on a ketogenic diet to hit your carbs um timing appropriately you know after workouts would be a big one um so that you're at least adapting and and helping your body adapt to the um you know the strength training or um, endurance training you're doing um so yeah you i mean you could definitely lose weight i mean but you know again it's why are you doing it you know I always like to ask people like what why are you on this diet is it because you you need structure and you want to follow rules and you think you can follow this for a while um, or is it like if somebody you know is it is it because you think it's gonna help you perform better um, you know so like what's kind of the purpose like anything any diet you know you do is what's what's the purpose why are we why are we doing this I mean is there a medical reason I mean like you said there's plenty of reasons why people need to change their diet for you know, other reasons besides weight loss. Um, but it's really like, you know, why are we going to do it? You know, is it going to help me reach my goals? Um, and if so, like, how can I do it to the healthiest, you know, maximum, you know, healthiest, you know, potential? And, you know, even with the ketogenic diet, you know, when you're working with people, it's not all just, you know, bacon and cheese and, uh, <laughs> you know, like, you really need to be eating a lot of non starchy vegetables in there. I mean, you're, your plate should still be full of salads and, you know, asparagus and just all, you know, cauliflowers and broccoli. I mean, you should be eating a wide plethora of vegetables because they're low in carbohydrates, but they're high in fiber, high in micronutrients. And those are the types of, you know, a lot of people just want to get on like the, you know, say like the, I don't know if you've heard the carnivore diet, um, which is just all meat all the time, which I, as a dietitian, I just, you know, I don't see how that's sustainable or, I mean, um, maybe I'll get some pushback, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's kind of one of those things where it's like you just eliminate everything but meat. Um, and if you are going to do it that, even then, like you need to be eating, make sure you're eating organ meats. You know, you're like, you know, animals, livers are some have, you know, they have enough like vitamin C and vitamin A in it to like help sustain you. Um, whereas like you wouldn't get that from just like, you know, muscle meat and things like that. You know, your your organ meats are where a lot of your your micronutrients would come from. So, if you ever were going to try something like that, which I, like I said, I don't don't really recommend because I think it takes way too much out. But you know, you need to make sure at least you're trying to do it at least somewhat, you know, intelligently um, with some research behind it. Um, you know, but things like that, like even on a ketogenic diet, I would still recommend, you know, maybe eating like liver a couple times a week. Um, You know, you don't want to eat liver too often like that shouldn't be your only because you can actually livers are so potent in a lot of animals that they can actually be start getting you excess vitamins. Like one of my wife, my wife always laughs me, one of my fun facts is you can't eat a polar bear's liver because it has too much vitamin A and you can actually die from it. So, (laughs) uh, so, you know, um, so things like that, you know, that's, uh, you know, so you just got to be, like I said, you got to, why are you doing the diet? Is it going to help me perform better? um, at what my goals are. Um, and then how do I do it to the healthiest possible manner?
1: Sure. Uh, I mean, you know, um, I saw one recent, um, uh, article, I think it was about, um, plant-based, um, athletes that were trying to go, um, ketogenetic, um, which I, I, yeah, I would imagine that would really have some challenges, um, and, you know, anybody that's, that's really trying to do that, I, I would imagine we want to kind of refer them to someone such as yourself because that would create so many, um, you know, challenges in, in gaining proteins. And, you know, um, like you said, I mean, they're, they're going to be able to eat their vegetables. But, you know, uh, it, that would be a, a tremendous challenge. Uh, I've, to go. I've, uh, you know, it, it might be easier vegetarian-wise on a
2: keto diet. If you're looking to go, like, full vegan – or something like that on a I just, I honestly, I don't really know how you would do it fully going vegan, unless you're just constantly pouring like olive oil over everything. And just to get your fat, you know, up. I mean, that's, uh, I mean, you know, there's obviously coconut oil. Um, but I mean, it would, I mean, because the protein really isn't that hard. Once you get used to being like a vegan or vegetarian athlete, and you get used to those types of proteins, it's not really that hard to get your protein. You might you. You know, there are some studies that show you might want to eat more of it to help with uh, muscle synthesis because they could be lacking in some of the amino acids. So you might, instead of needing like 25, you might want to be eating like 30, 35. Um, Excuse me,
1: I, I should have said fats, um, not yeah. protein. Uh, yeah, well, the- I,
2: mean, I mean, I got what you're saying. But yeah, fats are on a, you know, more of a plant-based diet are really going to be your hard part. So I've actually talked to like one of them um, when I was in my internship, um, a RD who actually ran a keto clinic um, for um, seizures because that's what it was originally designed for. I actually talked to him about vegan and it was possible. And even he was like, I just, you know, I've never worked with anybody wanting to do keto and vegan. He's like, but I really just don't see how I could even like program something. Like it would just be tremendously difficult restricting. I mean, it would, yeah, it wouldn't be something I would recommend because you'd be, you know, just – it, you'd be hard, you know, pressed to actually make it work. Sure. Sure.
1: <laughs> cool. I think that's a, a good place to hit the
0: pause button. <laughs> um,
1: I, we, uh, we covered a lot of great things today. I appreciate you sharing your knowledge. Um, again, to, to everyone, um, I, we're just trying to, to educate here. I know this is a touchy subject, so, uh, don't send any hate mail to Jake. You can pour <laughs> it on and, uh, and let me know. Uh, I, again, I'm not trying to, uh, to be biased or, uh, you know, opinionated against either just trying to educate uh, and provide some light onto the subject. Um, Again, I know it's super touchy. So, um, but uh, those of you that want to ask more questions or provide positive feedback to Jake, how can they reach you, buddy? (laughs) Uh, Well, I'm on Facebook. You can
2: reach out to just Jake Edmiston is what I'm on there. Um, Twitter. I'm on, I think Jake Edmiston, or I think my tag is like, mountain to Um and then you can always email me at edmistonrdn at gmail.com. Um and I always I like feedback. Hey if you got some articles that you know that you you find and um you want to share with me, you know, I'm 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 all for that. I always like, you know, finding new things. I mean like you know there's always new things coming out of science that are um Absolutely. I like reading and finding out. So just if you do send me stuff just and you know I, I read it you know just be aware that I might send you something back too. <laughs> we, we can have a, you know, you can have it. I like educated debates. You know, I don't need you just yelling at me saying that I'm wrong. About yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's, you know, we can definitely just talk about it.
1: Yes. Yeah. Let, let's be civilized. Um,
2: yeah. I mean, I, I, obviously, like I said, Twitter is not a place to usually be civilized. You get 140 <laughs> characters or whatever it is now. And most people just yell at each other saying that my diet is the only diet and it's the best diet. so. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll put that in the, the show notes and, and make sure that we put the disclaimer that, uh, you know, it, it's not for the, uh, the bashing of Jake. Uh, <laughs> I'll accept all bashing. Uh, yeah. and she'll do that. so, um, Jake, thanks again for your time there, my friend. Um, I always, I mean, I, I learned so much in our conversations. Um, I'm sure we'll, we'll pick up another one, you know, perhaps we can go a little bit more into, um, how to be, a little bit more red, well-rounded in, uh, in, in, you know, plant-based diets. Uh, you know, I've, I've kind of gone more of that direction myself just because of health reasons for my, um, for a condition I have in my throat. Um, and it's, it's really done a tremendous job in helping me with that. Um, so perhaps we can, we can talk about that next time. So, um, you stay well and stay safe, my (laughs) friend. Um, please say hello to your your wife and your little one. Um, and uh, as always, enjoyed our time. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. I, I, I enjoy our conversations.